0: find it absolutely fascinating what's happening in our egg world right now. I am blown away every time I go to the grocery store and I either see how little you know selection there are of eggs that they're just being grabbed up left right and center. And then I'm also blown away at the astronomical cost of eggs. I don't ever recall seeing that in my life. I don't know. Hopefully, I'll never see it again. Hopefully, prices stop or they start, uh, you know, stop rising, they start coming down. But I am just blown away at the egg situation. I feel like eggs in 2023 are the toilet paper of 2020, right? like we're all scrambling to get them, probably people that don't even eat eggs. I think, you know, everybody used toilet paper. So that one seems a little bit more, you know, likely to be frantic over. But I, I would render a guess that, that that people are going out and buying up eggs who really don't even eat a lot of eggs just because it's that fear of like, oh, my gosh, well, what if I need an egg and I can't get one, right? You have to have them. So I'm seeing videos like online of people, you know, the pallets getting uh, delivered, and people just going bananas, or Costco finally getting restocked, and you know, going in and getting them. They're doing the limit two cartons, you know, per person, just like we were doing with the toilet paper. Um, It seems, I, I don't know, me being the constant questioner that I am, it seems a little on the planned side if you will or that there's something you know potentially nefarious going on uh we've heard these rumors that there was this bird flu you know the the avian flu that swept through all of these farms and they had to kill off all of these these chickens well sure i mean i guess that's a possibility um it was reported on the news. So I take everything with a grain of salt. And I certainly question, you know, what that would, what would the purpose of that narrative be? Um, So I, I always question that. Um, I also look at, you know, who's got their hands in it? Who's got their hands in the business? Uh, I'm a big follow the money person. I think that if we look at a lot of what has happened over the last couple of years, you can definitely trace it back to the people that are set to make a significant monetary profit off of all of this nonsense. In addition to control and power and all the other things that, that come along with that. But money is definitely a, uh, a front runner, in my opinion, as to the why behind uh, a lot of what is happening in the world and behind the people that are doing it as well. But what I find really interesting about the egg situation is, and, it, and it's eggs, right? Like, and I still see people online, like that's a conspiracy theory. We can now just throw conspiracy theory at anything we want to. Those words are literally in existence in every conversation. I think for a couple of reasons. Number one, it shuts down the conversation because then people feel like they have to defend themselves, right? So if somebody calls me a conspiracy theorist about something, well, then I have to go in and I have to say, well, no, that's actually not true. Here's why. So it kind of backs people into a corner. And number two, I think that the people that still use the term conspiracy theorist are, are just choosing ignorance. They're choosing to use that instead of actually investigating what might be happening and then again having to have that kind of self-reflective conversation and be like, ooh, gosh, maybe this is actually happening. That's a little uncomfortable to recognize and realize. So the conspiracy theory now surrounding the eggs looks like this. Well, let me actually go back before I, before we talk about the actual conspiracy theory and, and I'm going to kind of paint a picture as to why I think we've gotten here. So over the last few years, if you are waking up or have been uh, kind of jolted into this new reality that we live in uh, exposing this incredible power grab by these global elites and the constant manipulation by our politicians and the mainstream media and this insane corporate greed um, by these large corporations that are just holding hands with all of our politicians and with mainstream media. And it's just this big, you know, vicious cycle, right? What's the, what's George Carlin's thing? You know, it's a big club and we're not in it. Um, For those of us that can really see that now very, very clearly, we understand that what it's going to take to kind of put these people in check is to not participate. And we are choosing to not participate in as many ways as we can. So like I've mentioned on, on past episodes, for me, it, I, I absolutely did not participate in COVID. So I didn't wear a mask. If, you know, I would go to a restaurant and if they would say, you've got to put this mask on, I, I would leave. Um, you know, I never sent my son to school in a mask. I I didn't participate. I certainly didn't participate in the experimental um, jab. I resigned as an RN after almost 15 years because I didn't want to be a part of that system that, you know, was, was in my opinion, harming people on, on a day in and day in base day in and day out basis. I just couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. So we're all finding little ways to kind of step out of these particular systems that are so hungry to control us. And our food system is a really, really big part of that. We've all heard it said before, um, who controls the food controls the people. And that's so true. We can't survive without food. Um, we we need it. It's necessary. Um, we have so many modern day conveniences with our food sources, whether that be just running down to your local market or your local grocery store. Now even you can order your groceries and go sit in the parking lot and have someone bring them to your car or one step further, have some de- someone deliver your groceries to your doorstep. I mean, these are all the modern day conveniences of food that we did not hear, we didn't have, you know, even a couple of years ago, right? They implemented that kind of curbside delivery during COVID. And they implemented that deliver to your door during COVID. So think about that. Think about in three short years, we've gone from Nope, uh, you know, every couple of days or once a week, you know, mom and dad, we're going out to the grocery store to get what we need for the week. We're clipping coupons. We're doing all of this. We're coming home. We're packing our fridge. We're, we're loading the pantry to literally going on your phone, clicking what you want and potentially having it ordered, uh, delivered within a matter of hours. That's crazy. That to me is a really fast jump in this sort of evolution of conveniences for food it's our food that's wild to me now I think that a lot of people in their efforts to kind of break away from the system are learning so much about our food where it comes from what's in it You know, we've got this health push, which I love to see. I love to see people taking ownership of their food and their bodies and what goes in their bodies and paying attention to food labels and maybe going away from all of these really in essence lies that we have been sold about what is good for us versus what is bad for us, right? Like a big one right now we're seed oils, seed oils are not great for us. They're they're terrible for us actually, and they are in everything. If you pack pick up the box of, you know, uh, granola bars or a bag of bread or you know anything, there's some type of seed oil in there. So, as we're learning and as we are uh, working to kind of become more independent and more sovereign we're implementing these little things. One thing I think we've also learned is that we're living sort of in this weird illusion of choice, if you will. So when we go to the grocery store and there's all these different brands, there's this, what, what appears to be this wide variety of things that you can choose from, it's really, it's really not factual. The fact is, is that there are 10 massive corporations that own all of our food. They are the large umbrella, and then they have all of these small little companies underneath them. The illusion of choice. So they're called the Big Ten. You can go online and you can Google them. Um, but but here they are. I'll tell them to you. They're uh, the PepsiCo. Uh, Coca Cola, Unilever, Dannon, General Mills, Kellogg's, Associated British Foods, Mendelez, and Nestle. So, out of all of the food that you see in the grocery store, depending on the brand, depending on the labeling, depending on the marketing, they're all going to sit under one of those 10 brands. So that's a really crazy thing to wrap your head around, especially if you are somebody that, um, you know, looks to buy maybe quote unquote more local or maybe shop smaller Um, you know maybe you feel like you're you're buying it from a smaller company because it's not a a more well-known brand or the marketing maybe makes you think that way too right like they'll use um, catchy taglines or phrases or slogans that make you think oh I'm buying from this little kind of mom and pop company when, when really that mom and pop is just a leg off of an incredibly large corporation. So the things I think that people are doing are getting noticed. And I think that they're getting noticed by these big corporations. You know, we're choosing to shop at farmer's markets we are having co-op gardens or maybe even people are putting gardens in their own backyards. Um, I know a lot of people, a lot of friends are doing that, Um, whether it be, you know, just vegetables or, you know, just just uh, greens, you know, There, I think people have, have seen those, you know, they're like a tower garden or like an in-home little or, or on your counter kind of greenhouse types of things that you can grow your green leafy vegetables on. Um, so there's definitely this adoption of what can I do to separate myself out a little bit? Um, I also know that a lot of people are kind of getting back to our roots on these old skills that we used to have and that we used to pass down from generation to generation, like canning. I remember my grandma used to can and her house always had like her little things, right? You'd open up the pantry and there would be her canned green beans or we would um, eat freezer jam or, you know, down in her basement, she would have rows of cans on shelves And I just remember being intrigued by that as a little girl thinking, gosh, this is something that she does. It's, it's creating, you know, because I guess it is creating something, right? It's your work. It's your effort that is being put forth into, um, into something then you're going to turn around and you're going to nourish your family with, you're going to, you're going to feed them. Um, You know, that, if it got passed down to my mom, I don't know about it. That was my mom's mom that, that did the canning. Um, I I didn't know about it. I never, I don't recall seeing my mom can. And I don't, you know, ever remember talking to her about it or asking her to pass that skill down on to me. But um, it is actually a skill now that I have learned. I haven't done a lot of it. I'm still very, very novice. It's something that I want to do more of, but there is a sense of pride that comes with it. There's a sense of, gosh, I learned a new skill. It's, you know, maybe simple, but it offers so much. It's a great way to prepare and really prepare for anything. So if you've got, you know, some food stored up, I mean, it's great if Inflation continues to rise like we see it. Prices continue to skyrocket and that's hard on everybody's wallet. So it's great. Hey, maybe you don't have to go to the grocery store, you know, for a week. Um, You know, money's a little bit tight. I've got some things in my pantry. Maybe somebody loses their job. You've got some things in your pantry or just long-term preparation, I think it's, you know, it's certainly not a doomsday mentality, but it's, I think it's always good to just, just be ready. You know, nobody knows in this uncertain climate of what is happening in our world, um, you know, what we're going to need when we're going to need it. And I think preparation looks a little bit different for everybody, but, you know, having that food stored up and having those canned goods set aside, I think is always a really, really good thing, um, to do if you're able to do that. I also know a lot of people that are getting into baking like scratch cooking is coming back, which is huge. If you think about that, if you think about just putting your ingredients together rather than buying, you know, a frozen lasagna or, um, you know, anything that you can make from scratch, people are baking bread. I see so many cool videos of these, you know, primarily women, Um, that are doing sourdough starters, and they're just producing these lovely, lovely, what look like, you know, artisan loaves of bread. Um, And there's just something very, I don't know, it's very endearing to me. It's, it's, it's honestly very kind of all American to me. It's how I think like it's it's i don't know it's just such a lovely thing to be witnessing kind of getting back to our roots almost if you will um going back in time a little bit pulling up some of these old skills that we used to have and reinventing them or 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 bringing them back to the forefront making them important again that's i think what it is it's it's understanding that they may have been lost for a minute but they are very important and they need to be brought back and in kind of going back to ultimately what I want to kind of talk about is, is the egg situation. Um, the, the, the big conspiracy theory surrounding these eggs and, you know, the, the shortage of course, you know, could be for whatever reason they've told us, you know, the avian flu and they had to kill a bunch of chickens. I just saw a video, um, today actually of a big, huge farm, um, burning, burned down. Like when, when have we ever heard of this before? Also look at our food over the last year and a half or two years, there have been something like 1800 food plants that have just burned down, two of which had planes crash into them. Like, I I don't know. I just what that the things that make you go, hmm, and that's one of them. You know, when we're being told all the time that we're going to have a food shortage and then all of a sudden all these food processing plants or manufacturing facilities are burning to the ground. Well, I don't, I don't know how that can't be more than just a coincidence. That seems, it seems almost too good to be true for people that are telling us that we're going to have a food shortage if they want us to, right? And now the chickens. But I guess my point in saying that is that if I'm seeing all of these things happening, right, in my little in my little world, in my little microcosm existence, if I'm seeing friends shopping small and going to their local butcher shop for their meat and buying organic or from small businesses, if I'm seeing that and my friends are all seeing that, and it's pretty much everywhere on the internet, whether you're on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, if we're all seeing it, the powers that be have to be seeing it as well. They have to be. So if if I can for a minute pretend that I'm a sociopath who um, you know wants power and control and a global no- monopoly on all of this stuff, and you know wants everyone living in smart cities with no skills and you know you own nothing and you eat the bugs. If I can, for a minute, pretend to be one of those people, I would think that everything that people are doing needs to be stopped. We somehow have to nip that in the bud. If I'm a big corporation, I have to get people back. How? How? What am I going to do? I've got to bring them back into the system. You know, what does that look like? So... If I am a big corporation, and I see all of these people starting to homestead, I'm going to be worried that maybe meat production, I'm going to be worried about maybe the dairy industry. Um am certainly going to be worried about chickens, um, whether that be for hens for laying or chickens to eat chicken. Um, I'm going to be worried about a lot of those things. So I'm going to have to start figuring out a way to interrupt those people's processes. And by interrupting those people's processes, my hope would be To get them back into my system, into, into my arena of purchasing into, you know, back into their grocery store, maybe packing it up, closing down the farm and heading on back into the city. How am I going to do that? Well, I really don't want to give it away too much now, but I'm going to have to, but I'm going to leave you with a little teaser because we're going to really dive in, in the second half, I'm going to carry this, this all the way through the show. Cause I think it's really important. I'm also going to talk about just some things that I'm doing in my personal life, um, to kind of step out, but to also encourage others. But if we want to go back to our, our big 10 corporations, you know, I'm sure there there has to be some in there that, our, that are a part of our, you know, meat, dairy, um, the eggs, certainly. So how do I get those people to come back to the grocery store to buy my meat, to buy my dairy, and to buy my eggs? Well, what's been circulating on the old interwebs from a lot of what I fondly call the backyard chicken mamas is that they seem to be their, their, their hens in particular seem to be laying significantly less eggs than in years previous. And now in the research that I've done, it does appear that hens typically lay less eggs during the winter. So by natural course of maybe season changes or their bodies needing a little rest, whatever the case may be, they take a little, a little break during the winter and lay less eggs. However, this doesn't seem to be what, you know, these, these chicken owners and raisers are really talking about. They're talking about a significant reduction in their egg production more than they've ever seen before more than they've seen in years past, certainly more than what should just be the normal kind of winter slowdown for their hens. And a very, very common denominator in what all of these folks are talking about is their feed. So we're going to dive in on that in the second half. We're going to talk, talk about chicken feed. As thrilling as that is, I know you're on the edge of your seat, but it does get pretty interesting when you kind of look at um the common denominators, connecting some of the dots, tracing it back, who's involved, who's got their hands in what. So, I want you to think about that. We're going to pause and take a super short break. Um but we're going to talk about the chicken feed when we come back and how that's a bigger, you know, chicken feed is is a drop in the bucket as it relates to this whole bigger picture from our food to our farming to our sustainability to our abilities to kind of break off and be out of the system Um, but we're gonna we're gonna tackle that big picture when we come back but we're gonna start the big picture with the chicken feed So I'm going to take a short little break. This is Nurse Beth. You are listening to Nurses Out Loud on America Out Loud Radio. We'll be right back.
1: It's time and this is... Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. While many things we hear are lies, we know one thing is true. Viruses exist and people get sick. Look, there's no guaranteed way to keep from getting sick, but there is a way to reduce your chances. Cofix RX, the original povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray that you hear Dr. McCullough talking about, provides an additional invisible layer of protection from colds, flu, coronaviruses, and more. Click the banner ad on AmericaOutLoud.com and use promo code OutLoud for 20% off. Stay protected with Cofix RX. We are fighting the ultimate fight between good and evil. AmericaOutloud.com replaces groupthink with innovative think. Well, it was Walt Whitman, the poet, who said, Keep your face always toward the sunshine, and shadows will fall behind you. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all.
0: Okay, welcome back. You ready to talk about chicken feed? I am. So, um, talking with friends that have chickens, watching these videos on TikTok or Instagram about these, you know, primarily they're women, I would say. I see I see the majority of things coming from women. Uh, hence why I call them the backyard chicken mamas, Um, talking about a common denominator in what they're finding with their decreased um, egg production from their hens. And they all tend to be feeding their hens um, the same feed, the same brand of feed. Now, again, going back to if i am a sociopath trying to control people's food supply water supply um overall lives um that that would be a pretty good way in which i could force those people back into the system right if you've got a family that doesn't ever have to buy eggs because their chickens are producing enough to provide them with what they need for food. Maybe even they're selling some at their local farmer's market or on a little roadside stand somewhere. We certainly can't have that. What could I do? What could my science team, my research and development team, what could we do to get those hens to maybe stop laying eggs? Food seems like a pretty decent option. Right? Seems like we could put something in there that we know could potentially slow down egg production without there being any other real signs and symptoms. You know, it's not going to make the chickens sick, it's not going to kill the chickens. It's maybe just going to toy with something, you know, going on in these little hens' bodies that's going to slow down their egg production. That would be a really, really easy way to get into the backyards of all of these chicken owners and decrease the amount of eggs being produced. And now when you've gone from, you know, 10 eggs a week to two eggs a week, you're probably going back to the grocery store for eggs. And when you go back to the grocery store for eggs, you are paying an arm and a leg for them. So people also, you know, we're back to that conspiracy theory. Well, is it a conspiracy theory that that this is happening and is it the feed? Well, let's explore that cuz I love the exploration of whether or not something is a conspiracy theory or just a miraculous amount of coincidences, which I personally don't believe in. But I also have been called a conspiracy theorist, you know, many a times more than I can count. And I sort of wear it like a badge of honor. I think it demonstrates that I have common sense, critical thinking, I'm willing to ask questions, I'm willing to look at something from both perspectives. And, you know, it's, it, it certainly doesn't trigger me in any way. I think it's a demonstration again, like I said earlier in the show that, you know, people throwing that term around are are unwilling to have a, an intellectual conversation about something or have their perspectives challenged. Um, so they just label, you know, as, as a means to shut down the conversation, but I want to look at it from both perspectives. Let's look at it from the backyard chicken mamas. So what, what do they have to gain? I always want to go from a perspective of what, what, what do they have to gain? What purpose does this serve for them in their lives? And, and the likelihood of that, what is the likelihood or the ease by which, you know, a, a, a mom in Arizona and a mom in Kentucky, you know, sure. They could be in a Facebook group together. Absolutely. They could be linked on social media somehow. What's the likelihood that these two these two chicken raising moms are, are going to get online and say, hey, let's let's start spreading a rumor. Get this. Th- this this would be great. Let's do this. Let's start spreading a rumor that our hens are laying less than they normally do. And the other mom says, yeah, that's great. OK, that that's that sounds great. Oh, but it's winter hens normally lay a little less in the winter and anybody that has chickens or knows anything about chickens or you can do a simple internet search is going to find that out so we're going to have to say it's more than usual it's more than a regular winter slowdown okay yeah that sounds great let's let's say that okay but why do we think is causing it what could it be why are my chickens in arizona and your chickens in kentucky not laying as many eggs as they normally would. Ooh, I don't know. Oh, let's make it about the food. Let's blame it on the food that we're feeding our chickens. And let's say that the food we're feeding them um, is somehow disrupting their egg production. Yeah, that's that's great. And then what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to tell people that we now have to spend more money buying organic food or getting it from you know this this little person this private kind of entity that that makes their own formulary of the chicken feed um or we're gonna have to get specialized feed let's make it really really hard on ourselves to make this story seem viable you guys that doesn't even make any sense I can't, I can't for, a mad, uh, for a reason or for a minute imagine why somebody would want to like create this, this sort of story. Like if you need attention that bad, like I, I don't even understand that that's like why that would be the kind of attention that you would want. What purpose would it serve for those chicken people to create a story? And to link it to the food.
1: It doesn't make any sense.
0: It doesn't make any sense. So, the people calling those people the conspiracy theories, conspiracy theorists, and that the food is just a part of that, let's take it from the other angle. Like we kind of ended on at the first half. If I'm a big corporation and I need I need those egg dollars. I need those egg dollars in my pocket. I need these people to get back into the system. I need there to be a way in which, um, you know, I I can get those people back in the grocery store. I need more money. I'm gonna jack up the price of my eggs. What could I do? This meeting is being recorded. The food seems like a pretty simple and reasonable thing to do if you're capable. And I think that these big corporations are more than capable, more than capable. I mean, we just saw the number of people hop on their private jets and fly to Davos. These people have the means to do almost whatever they want. They've got the money, they've got the resources, they've got the, the foundations of their, of their corporation, right? They've got the, their science team, their research and development team, they've got the manufacturing. They've got every, every possible opportunity and way to accomplish this. I don't think it's that far-fetched. I just don't. And now let me tell you, let me tell you a little bit about why I don't think it's that (laughs) far-fetched independent of, I think that again, these corporations don't have our best interests in mind whatsoever. They are out for themselves. They will stop at nothing to maintain their stronghold in whatever market um, that exists in. But you know, these backyard chicken mamas, when they're talking about their feed and what, and what they're using, it really came down to a couple of brands. And, and those brands all fell under the Purina label. Purina is owned by Nestle. Nestle's one of the big 10. So whether it be human food or whether it be animal food, there's a monopoly on all of it. And, you know, Nestle doesn't have the best track record. Remember a, a, a while back, gosh, maybe, maybe less than a year ago, Nestle owns Gerber. And there were all of those reports about how there was heavy metal and toxic levels of, you know, um, heavy metals in baby foods. I mean, they, they they put chemicals in human food. I wouldn't put them, I wouldn't put it past them for one minute to put something in the chicken feed. Here's another thing. All these all these chicken people who are trying to figure it out. They switched their feeds. Now, did it happen overnight? No. Because, of course, you change your feed, it's not going to be an overnight, you know, uh, success story. But over time, as the feed, you know, was introduced and switched to either a different brand, an organic feed. um, I know one friend that switched over to goat feed. And miraculously, the hens started laying more again. So, you know, it's to me, I guess it's just a very, very simple game of connect the dots of looking at the reasonings and the rationales behind someone would do behind why someone would do something and looking at the, the realistic, you know, or whether or not it's realistic that these chicken mamas are going to fabricate this big story. It doesn't make any sense seems like a lot of work seems like a lot of work for a little bit of attention that is most likely negative attention i think probably the internet trolls and the you know people that don't don't necessarily agree with the choices that they're making in their lives i.e. get off the grid or you know raise their own food are 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 not buying it you know they're out there probably just trying to lambaste these people and discredit them as much as they can I don't think it's that far off I just don't and I think that the chicken feed like I said before I went to break I think the chicken feed is a drop in the bucket of the overall attempt and to a certain extent they've already won to a certain extent, they have, uh, you know, paved the way for what should be very smooth sailing moving forward. Um, if they want their kind of plan of of domination and um, food things to kind of come to fruition and have everyone, you know, eating the bugs, right? So, again, when you talk about these global elites and who's really pulling the strings behind all of this, you have someone like Bill Gates. You have someone like Bill Gates who invested all of this money into Pfizer and BioNTech, these experimental, or no, I'm sorry, Moderna, right? Whatever the case may be, his hands were all over it in these experimental jabs. But you also have Bill Gates who is the largest single landowner in the United States. But Bill Gates isn't a farmer. In fact, he's kind of anti-farming, right? He's blaming meat and cows um, for being the uh, most significant contributing factor to climate change. Cows certainly not on his private jet that, you know, he flies everywhere. So there, the overall, the overall plan, (laughs) chicken feed is a very small example, but I think it's a pivotal example. And it's a pivotal example for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's a direct kind of hit On people that are consciously stepping out of the system. Those people are the ones to be feared. The Big Ten, the powers that be, they do not, they don't value any of us, but they are certainly not happy with the people that do not need to be in the system whether that be your own little backyard or whether that be a small farm or homestead, whether that be those skills we talked about earlier, whether it's canning food, growing and raising your own food, having chickens, um, canning your food, sewing, sewing your own clothing, baking your own bread, scratch cooking. Those people are a threat. And those people are going to be the ones, hopefully all of us, I do the little things that I can in my environment and in my day-to-day life. I have goals and aspirations and hopes to do it on a larger scale. I would love to have a homestead one day. I would love to be in that position where I have a root cellar full of canned goods. I'm not there yet, but that is a goal for myself. But we all are a threat if we start recognizing, and if we start doing what we can to pull ourselves away little by little. Backyard chickens. Those people are a threat. I would say they're even more of a threat if they're not just having enough eggs produced for themselves, but if they're in a community of like-minded people where perhaps they're sharing the eggs and someone else in their community is sharing vegetables and someone else in their community is sharing bread. Can you imagine, can you imagine if multiple small communities again, like all, like I literally stop and I think about like little house on the prairie <laughs> and this like life of, you know, um, making, making your own stuff bartering trading sharing it with other people having co-ops having little communities if if all of us did that to some certain level to a certain degree I mean we think that they're shaking now I don't know if they're shaking I hope that they're shaking I want them to be shaking desperately I do but if they aren't shaking now imagine the shakes that would come if we all did those little things if we could all give up a couple of maybe modern day conveniences routinely enough that it takes us out of the system if we all decide to you know maybe grow grow one thing grow one thing You can, you can, I mean, there are like the internet, I just, I I love the internet, right? You can learn how to do all of these skills. In fact, I saw an article the other day about this, this woman living in San Diego, and she calls herself a trad wife, traditional wife. She wants to stay at home, be with her kids, her husband goes off to work, and she stays and she cooks and she takes she homeschools her children and she takes care of all of those those things. And I reached out to a couple of girlfriends and I was like, hey, I think I think we should start like a little like a little club. Like let's do a little group where we can all share and learn these skills. We can all just start making our own butter. We can start making our own bread. We can start sewing. We can all learn how to can. Every skill that gets developed, however long it takes you, whatever the process is, is going to be a skill that can potentially break you out, give you a little bit more sovereignty with the hopes that maybe that skill then is transferable or that you can teach someone else that skill. It creates that sort of ripple effect in our immediate homes, but in our neighborhoods, in our communities. That will have them shaking. That will have them shaking. And I guarantee you, it is a lot easier for all of these big elites with their private jets who are hanging out at the same clubs, who are, you know, having, having dinner together, who are jet setting all over the world, landing in the same spots. It's a lot easier for them to figure out what to do and to say, hey, if we can just interrupt this little piece of the supply chain, yep, let's, let's do that sure is a heck of a lot easier for them with significantly more to gain than these backyard chicken mamas who are simply questioning why my hens aren't laying as many eggs. I don't think it's a conspiracy theory. I think it's a really, really clear, tangible demonstration of the lengths at which However many people, I don't think it's a one-man job. I think he's, there's got to be a little team. Of you create a problem, provide a solution, and ultimately by providing that solution, you're going to come out on top. These backyard chicken mamas don't have anything to gain. By their hens not laying eggs. And by them making videos on TikTok. Trying to come up with their reasoning or their rationale. And they certainly don't have anything to gain by the people coming on there and saying, no, this is ridiculous. This is crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. There's no way. There's no way that it could be the food. They wouldn't do that. Why would they do that? What would be the purpose for them doing that? There's just no way. Well, I think there is a way. And I think that the groundwork has already been laid in our human foods, in the massive amounts of processed foods that we eat, in the, you know, talks of shortages another thing maybe that's for another show create the problem provide the solution You controls the food controls the people so i don't know something something to think about i, I hope in my talking rambling whichever one you want to call it i hope that i at least you know spur something in you that thinks about Could it be possible? If it is possible, how does that personally affect me? Am I capable of adjusting my thought processes around it? And if I am capable of adjusting my thought processes around it, what are the the changes I'm going to make moving forward? What am I going to do to not let that affect me? What am I going to do to maybe become slightly less reliant upon the system, a little less governable. Simple, simple things that we can do, that if we do them collectively, will have a massive, massive impact. And I think that our food system And our food sources, where we get our food, who we give our money to is a huge, huge piece of this pie that we have more control over than we even realize. We might have to get a little uncomfortable. We might have to figure out you know our our resources and our finances and our budgeting a little bit which i don't think are are bad things i don't think it's bad to look at a budget i don't think it's bad to maybe plan ahead stock up on things when they're on sale when fruits are in season start canning you know all of those things but what can we do as a collective to take our power back, be in the driver's seat, recognize that we do have so much more power than we think. And that's actually what they're very afraid of. They are very afraid of us realizing how much power we have. More than anything. More than anything. They don't really care about our backyard chickens. They don't really care about us going to our local butcher shop. They care about us waking up so much that we realize we're the ones in control. And all we have to do is decide what we're not going to participate in any longer and how that looks for us and little steps that we can we can do. Daily things that we can implement. doesn't have to be large scale. You don't have to move your family to a farm. I mean, you can if you want to. I think it's a great decision. I support it wholeheartedly. <laughs> but you don't have to do all of those things. You know, maybe your neighbor's got a bigger backyard than than you do. You know, offer to co-op garden with them. You know, maybe they... Maybe you, you rent out a little corner of their backyard to have, to have a little garden space or have some chickens. Go have these. And talk with your people at your local farmer's market. Start groups. Like I'm going to start my little, my little group with my friends. Learn some new skills. Something for everyone. And it will ultimately, hopefully the goal the big big goal is for you know these these systems of these like big 10 that they start shaking and that ultimately realize we're in the driver's seat and that they've got to start playing by our rules we don't want their foods full of dyes and fillers and seed oils and Fancy marketing and fake labels and misleading advertising, which, gosh, we could get in on a whole nother topic about that. I mean, we've all seen what's happening with Simply Orange, right? Ooh, we. That, I mean, shoot, I didn't save any time to talk about that, but that's a perfect example. Perfect example of the constant manipulation that we're under, attacks from all sides. And food is, food's a huge one, right? Because if they can keep us kind of sick and not knowing and unhealthy, ooh, they've got us right where they want us, right where they want us. So those are my thoughts about the eggs. Although, ooh, one thing I did fail to mention, did you guys see that, that uh, there was a big fire, a big, big, big egg farm and just went up in flames a couple of days ago. Seems so so strange. It seems so strange. Never have I heard about things like this before. And again, maybe it's just because I now pay attention to the things that are incredibly intriguing to me or that give me pause or that make me question things, but a big chicken farm burning down, that's a head-scratcher. Makes you wonder, makes you wonder who owns that chicken farm, who they sell their eggs to, which corporation. It's certainly not a mom-and-pop roadside stand, that's for sure. All the curious things, all the curious things. So it has been so fun talking eggs, talking backyard chicken mamas with everyone. But that is all the time we have for today, friends. But remember, we are here on the air five days a week, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern with a different nurse host daily. Please be sure to tune in and listen to myself and my amazing sister nurses. As we walk you through all these hot topics, we will empower you with information and education. We will advocate and we will stand in the gap for you because we are nurses and that is what we do. I'm your host, Nurse Beth, and you can find me here every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern with an encore at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Be sure to make AmericaOutloud.com your daily stop for all the latest news and happenings. We all must do our part and share these stories, articles, the podcasts, and videos so we can help secure America's future. Until next time, be safe, be well, and God bless. Join us weekdays with a different nurse host daily. No topic is off limits as we shine our lights and expose the darkness.
1: It's time-